2: All right, so look, NBA Free Agency brings a rapid-fire succession of moves and signings, and the Knicks were in the middle of it, making two multi-year additions, while Knicks fans wait to see if there's more to come. And we hope to provide those answers here on the Putback with Ian Begley, Free Agency Live. I'm Chris Williamson, alongside our aforementioned SNY NBA Insider. Back with us after breaking news coverage last night is CP, the franchise of Knicks Fan TV, and we're thrilled to be joined Once again, by Ashley Nicole Moss. She's on SYN, she's on SSI. She does everything. Just got back from a wonderful vacation in Jamaica and we're streaming live on TV as well as Twitter, Facebook, YouTube channels. Make sure to get your questions posted in the comment section. As always, we're going to tip things off with the baseline. And Ian, we're about 18 hours into the official start of free agency and the Knicks made a couple big signings yesterday but today they're taking care of some internal matters. So what can you tell us About those things,
3: yeah, Mitchell Robinson back, four years, sixty million dollars. A source confirmed. ESPN had that first, Uh, but what that means is the Knicks have uh, a deep center position right now. They have Robinson, they have Isaiah Hartenstein, who they agreed to terms with last night. They have Jericho Sims, and you know we'll find out about Taj Gibson. I think in the coming weeks, but a lot of depth at the five. Robinson. There was negotiations on a potential extension over the course of the season. Obviously, they didn't get to a number where they agreed upon. I think there was some maybe hurt feelings over the course of those negotiations. But over the course of the year, I know that some Nick decision makers really, really felt that Robinson was an imperative part of Tom Thibodeau's defense. And they really came around on the idea of committing to him long term. There was a market for Robinson. And I know Toronto was among the teams interested. but. The Knicks, I know, felt pretty good about the idea of being able to get him back going into free agency, and they will use his bird rights. They'll exceed the cap to get him back on that four-year, sixty million dollar deal.
2: Yeah, and he uh, made sixty-two starts last year, uh, averaged about eight and a half points, eight and a half half rebounds per game, almost two blocks a game. Played in seventy-two games, so the availability was much better uh, than in years past. Now, Ashley, we're going to get into the center position and how everything will play out with Jericho Sims specifically. But how do you feel? about bringing back Mitchell Robinson under the parameters that Ian is suggesting?
4: Um, I'm kind of on the fence with it. You know, CP and I have had this conversation about Mitch before. There's holes in his game that I haven't seen improvements on yet. So I was a little, especially with someone like Jalen Duren that we could have um, got in the draft, and that would have saved us, I think, around like $20 million at the center position. I interviewed him before. I thought he was NBA ready. I really thought he would fit with the Knicks. We didn't go ahead and make that happen with Mitch is a lot of good things with him. But I think for me, my biggest thing is the intangibles. And we've talked in, we've had conversations about his immaturity off the court before. And, you know, sometimes when you get your big payday, that either makes you more mature or it makes you less mature. Only time is going to tell. I just hope that he goes in the other direction because one of the knocks against him has been that he hasn't handled certain situations with the level of maturity and grace that you would want from someone who plays in New York. Again, you know, you kind of take it into consideration he's young, but you look at someone like an R.J. Barrett, also young, handles things differently. So for me, yes, I think he is a pivotal part of the New York Knicks, but sometimes you have to look at things outside of just the game. And like I said, there are things in this game that I'd like to see improved, so, you know, for me, it's time will tell with Mitch. And I, I hope that I'm definitely proven wrong in this situation.
2: Yeah, and you're, you're right about, you know, the the maturity factor, because you could see him always posting some cryptic Instagram post or, or tweet um, that was directed at Tibbs or whatever the team. So hopefully, you know, he's done with that. You know, the money will take him uh, to a place where he doesn't feel the need to uh, voice his frustrations on social media. But uh, CP, I'll ask you the same question. How do you feel? about bringing Mitch, uh, Mitch back. You like that move, especially at the the money that the Knicks are giving him?
1: Yeah, well, you know, Mitch is my guy. And, uh, you know, first of all, congratulations to him. You know, he was making about $1.6 million when he came in. So to be able to get this deal and take care of his family, I, I think it's a good thing. Um, the rumor was that it would be a four-year, $60 million deal. And, as I saw some of the deals that came through last night, Nick Claxton got two for twenty for with the Nets, Bama two for twenty one with the Magic. I figured Mitch's number would be around you know that thirteen or fifteen range. So uh, now that it is at the fifteen, I think for a, a player of his skill set right now, it is a little bit on the on the pricey on the premium side. You know, forty eight percent from the charity stripe, very limited offensively. You know, really just a just a rim runner at this point, but. His impact on this Knicks defense can't be understated. And when you bring it in the Jalen Brunson, you already have an Evan Fournier. Your perimeter defense is going to be compromised. You, you need Mitch right now. And, and even though well, you know, the, his, his fit on, on the offense in terms of spacing is going to be questionable, his impact on this team on the defensive end is, is major. And as Ian said, Tom Thibodeau wanted that back. They had to pay for that premium, not to mention how he impacts the team on the offensive glass, getting them second chance opportunities, cleaning up. Uh, a lot of their mistakes. I think, you know, that alone warrants Mitch coming back. And so you hope that as, you know, time progresses and his career progresses, he'll be able to add a little bit of, of, of uh, you know, offense to his game. You're not expecting him to be a, a step out, you know, stretch five, but, you know, be able to put things back, a little turnaround jumper, you know, some three to 10 feet out, I think would, would do serve him well. And he's got to clean up at the charity strike. As I said, only 48%. You don't want this thing to turn into a hack a mix situation where we did see in a couple games late last season because you want him to be out on the floor as much as he can. So, overall, I'm on board with the deal because I, I think the team needs him right now. And, you know, we'll see a couple of years. It, it's certainly a tradable contract down the road. But yeah, who no, knows? You know, I would
3: add on that is uh, to CP and Ashley. Like, I, I, I hear you and I, I feel like the concerns over his lack of progression, particularly on offense, are valid. You know, I spoke to people as recently as last night and people around him, people around the team, you know, some people feel like there's a lot there that he can do on the court that we haven't seen yet, that he's just kind of scratching the surface of his talent. So I know, you know, on Twitter, you, you see the, the three point shooting in the off season for Mitch and you always wonder where is it during the season that I think there's a, a belief with both on both sides that that's potentially there. And like, the, the game can continue to expand for Mitchell Robinson. So he's incredibly talented, and, and they, they say they see him as only scratching the surface.
2: Yeah, and hopefully we get to see that in fruition this year. And Tibbs gives him the green light, you know what I'm saying, like to shoot those three-pointers um, as he has been doing in his workouts. But uh, meanwhile, outside of Mitch, Ian, what else should we be on the lookout for over the next few days?
3: Yeah, on the Jalen Brunson front, I think, Still kind of uh, the idea that it could be a sign and trade, I think, is not totally dead. I was told last night that the specific structure of Brunson's deal was uh, still being worked through, still uh, open. So uh, we don't know if it's ascending, descending, flat. And I think um, there are ways for this, these signings to be uh, done with cap space. I think there are still ways for these signings to be done uh, over the cap to execute a sign and trade between the Knicks and Dallas and you can, you can wait to finalize the deal with Mitchell Robinson and use uh, his bird rights and exceed the cap to do that if you want. So there are a number of different ways that the Knicks could go still, I think with these signings, depending on how the final numbers come in. And I know that, you know, even after Brunson was done last night, there was still some activity um, on the trade front. I think Evan Fournier's name had come up in some talks. So, I think that there are still possibilities out there. But if this is it, if this is all the Knicks do uh, with their signings, they do still have an exception. They will have an exception to use. Um, so they still have some money to, to play around with. And uh, I'm still wondering, though, how this is going to shake out with Brunson, sign and trade, uh, what happens with Fournier. So those are the things that I'm keeping an eye on here as we get into day two of free
2: agency. Hey, look, man, you must have read my mind, Ian, because uh, that's my next question about Evan Fournier. Uh, well, actually, it's coming from Jay Val, 845 who says, we have to trade Fournier now. Ian, what's the latest on Fournier's future in New York in your eyes?
3: Yeah, I know that they've been talking to teams prior to the draft, after the draft, and again, recently as I think last night, about potential deals. But I, I know that there's some concern internally about uh, Brunson, Fournier backcourt uh, defensively. Um, so I would think that, A, I think that you need shooting. And so to to trade the best shooter on your team just to do it, doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but I'm not making the decisions. But I, I do think that if Fournier is here next year, starting next season, I would assume that the starting backcourt is different, uh, whether it's sliding argent Barrett to shooting guard, uh, putting Quentin Grimes at shooting guard. I do think the starting lineup would look a little different if Fournier is on the team starting next season. Yeah, it,
2: definitely.
1: Yeah, I, I'm with Ian on that. I mean, he's our best shooter on the team after all, right? So it's got to make sense if they move him. You understand why they would want to move him. I, I do feel that uh, we need to, to give a longer evaluation to some of our wings, namely Quentin Grimes. He's a guy, he's a candidate for me. Who I would put in that starting lineup because he's a low-usage, high-efficiency, three-point shooter. You want to continue to space it out with adding Brunson and to Julius and RJ in that lineup. And he's going to be a tenacious defender for you. You know, get you some takeaways on the other end. Jumpstart the offense. Get Brunson and RJ out running. So I think Quentin Grimes is a guy that I'd like to see in that spot. Uh, Cam Reddish secondarily uh, but as Ian said you could always use Fournier shooting whether it's starting off the bench so if there's a deal out there that makes sense for the team go ahead and do it but uh, he, I think he can still help in a, in a reserve role and ultimately getting his minutes you know kind of throttled down as the season goes on and you propel Grimes and if Reddish is still on the team Reddish as well
2: right that, that's the thing like if he's in a reserve role I think that suits the Knicks much better and him as well he probably won't like you know not starting um But with the players that they have, I think that's just a better compliment. Now, Ashley, how much of it's a priority should it be for the Knicks to try to shop Evan Fournier? Or do you feel like, let's do this thing another year and see what you got?
4: I don't think it should be a priority unless there is, like, some monumental move out there that you want to make. I don't think that Evan Fournier is that detrimental to the team that you want to dump him as soon as possible, you know? I agree with both what um, Ian and CP said. If it's there, you entertain it. If it's not, you don't sweat it. I think that, you know, at this stage of the game, the Knicks are no longer in the early rebuilding era. I think, you know, right now the floor is trying to recreate the magic of 2020 bare minimum, get to the first round of the playoffs and possibly go even deeper. So in order to do that, every move has to be a calculated one. You don't want to go ahead and jump the gun trying to make something happen that may not result in the results that you want it to result in. So, um, you know, which is one of the reasons why I was a little bit concerned about Jalen Brunson, because it seemed like to me a lot of money for someone who is coming off of one good season. Right. And if you look at his numbers, the first round against Utah was sensational. The next two rounds in the playoffs, he fell off. He was averaging about 18 to 19 points in both of those series. So while I think obviously the Knicks drastically needed a point guard, and I think Jalen Brunson is going to be an asset to the team, the money was a little bit concerning for me for someone who was not in or is not in the top 10, you know, percentile of their position. And also we only have one really, really great season to go ahead and gauge that. But the market is what the market is. And sometimes when somebody needs something, they're willing to pay a little bit more for it. My only concern with that is sometimes you don't want to go ahead and dig yourself into a hole that if you need to make other moves, now you're a little bit handcuffed with the money that you have available to do so. So it's not about not wanting or not needing Jalen Brunson for me. It was about being a little bit smarter with the money. But like I said, the market is what the market is. And you can't hit on the man for getting paid because he's going to take what is offered to him. So,
3: One yeah. thing on what Ashley was saying, I think she hit it on the head in terms of the market being the market. But also, you know, having some question marks about the contract here. And also, I think that you look at the Knicks process to get here, right? They signed deals in 2021, that offseason. And yes, they they said that at the time that they would have flexibility. They did have some flexibility, but they also had to include draft assets to get off of those contracts for, uh, excuse me, Walker, Alec Burks, Nerlens Noel. And you did that in order to create the cap space to sign Brunson. So already the process is certainly not a straight line. And then the number is the number. Uh, you know, I think that If Brunson, even if he plays at the level he was playing at Dallas, the number, it won't be terrible, especially if the cap goes up. But also the optics because of uh, Leon Rose, CAA, former CAA agent, was Jalen Brunson's agent. Uh, Obviously, Rick Brunson was hired to be on Tom Thibodeau's staff last month. That's Jalen Brunson's father. Uh, Jalen Brunson is still a, a CAA client, Aaron Mintz, Sam Rose, I believe are his co-agent, Sam Rose, Leon Rose's son. So, you know, the optics and the way they got here, um, to me, it means that this really has to work for this front office and of this group. This is a, an all-in move to me, for them, not saying that they're all on trying to win a title by signing Jalen Brunson, but just that this has to help get you to the next step there's not a lot of wiggle room to me out of this deal.
4: And no. and and tapping into that another reason why it was very confusing for me was because everybody kept saying unanimously Jalen Brunson's not the answer, he's not the savior, he's not the answer, he's not the savior. But to go ahead and treat him as such was a little bit of a contradiction because you don't go ahead and bend over backwards and move around all these pieces and offer a little bit more than probably what a player, where he is right now in his career would be worth. And I hate to say would be worth, but in the realms of the game would be worth. Seems a little like, well, then he must be the savior because now if it doesn't work down the line, There's very there's less wiggle room than you had going into the situation. And I think that's what made a lot of fans, including myself, a little apprehensive because there's not much room for error when you do all these and you move around all these pieces to make something like this happen. So if he's not the savior, you're certainly treating him as such because it's going to affect you down the line if it doesn't work the way you want it to.
2: Yeah, no, that's a that's a fascinating point because I think I was on that on that side as well initially. But you know, just reading more reports and articles, it seemed like okay, this is the the first step. And I think Ian, it was you who said, yeah, the Knicks are not treating uh, Brunson as a franchise savior. And yeah, the money that they're giving him, you know, whether it's you know twenty eight million first year and then twenty four million uh, the last year, it's not the greatest. But look, this is probably going to give you stability at the point guard position, and then also with all the first round picks you have you imagine that this organization is going to go for a big superstar like a Donovan Mitchell or, or, or somebody else down
1: the line. Salute to Knicks Nation, CP the franchise here. And we can all relate to these issues. We're busy. We work a lot. We have to take care of our kids. We have to watch the Knicks game. Sometimes we just don't have time to make a balanced meal. But with Factor, you can take care of all of that. Factor makes it easy for me to eat clean 24-7, with fresh, never-frozen prepared meals that are so delicious you wouldn't believe they're actually good for you. Factor saves me time by delivering chef-crafted meals to my doorstep, eliminating the hassle of grocery shopping and meal prep, not to mention cleanup, no dishes to wash. Each Factor meal arrives pre-prepared and ready to eat in two minutes. That's even faster than ordering in. Factor tackles the tough stuff so I don't have to. The registered dietitians and expert chefs work hand-in-hand to create meals with nutritious ingredients. And with more than 29 meal options each week, I'm never bored. Factor even knows my preferences. They offer vegan plus veggie meals, keto meals, low-calorie options, cold-pressed juices, smoothies, energy bites, plant-based bars, extra protein, veggie sides, and more to keep me fueled and focused all day long. So what I want you to do is head to go.factor75.com slash TV 120 and use code nix TV 120 to get $120 off. That's the code nix TV 120 at go dot factor 75.com slash Nick's TV 120 for $120 off.
4: It won't be Donovan. I've already tried that. It's not going to be him. Sorry. <laughs> hey man, you never know though. You I've never been, know. I've been, I've been trying to tamper with that for a year. It's not going to happen. <laughs> it's not happening.
2: <laughs> well, we, we, we've been talking about, Donovan, for so long about coming to Knicks, and it hasn't come to fruition. So maybe you're right. Maybe it is not a realistic possibility. But Adam Bennett, Ian, is asking, who are these Knicks really? A team trying to win games with veterans or a team committed to developing their young guys? concern for IQ, Grimes, Obi with Randall and Fournier still on the roster.
3: Yeah. No, I I definitely want to address that question. I will. I want to go back to Ashley for a second. You're saying no way on Donovan. I I think it's a long shot, but you're saying
4: I've, I've tried to recruit Donovan himself. I've tried to have Fat Joe do it. I've reached out to every single person I know, including the source, to make it happen. It's not yeah. happening. So maybe someone else needs to tap in and, and tag team this with me because I'm, I'm not getting anywhere on my end. So
3: <laughs> and she's trying for you. She is trying. Um, but the question is is a good one, and so I think that the answer is still unclear. Like, and I, it's an important thing for to, for me for the Knicks to sort out because you have Brunson going to be 26. He fits the timeline of your younger players. Um, so it makes sense in that in that Uh, department but then with Tom Thibodeau you know last year it was Kim Walker and Evan Fournier starting backcourt obviously playing ahead of younger players and then second half of the season uh, there were injuries younger players got more minutes and they continue to get more minutes but I don't I don't know if that has been settled yet the full direction if they're going to go play young guys uh, and put wins and losses um, as a secondary factor or if they're going to continue to lead on veterans to me you know, with the age of the, the group in general, I don't see like a, a old veteran really getting in the way of a young player, except for uh, Julius Randle, who's not an old veteran. He's a young player, but just the idea of him and Obi Toppin and how many minutes is Toppin going to get this coming season? How many minutes is Randle going to get this coming season? To me, that is still uh, an issue that I think needs to be resolved. Are you going to play them in the same lineup? I think that there's got to be some workable solution to get the best out of Obi Toppin and Julius Randle over the course of an 82-game season. And uh, I would say one other thing. I, Julius Randle, I, don't, I can't tell you about what went wrong last season specifically for him, but I do think you know he's, he's working hard in the offseason. I certainly wouldn't bet against uh, a bounce-back year for Julius Randle uh, just based on watching him. And you know, hearing him talk, talking to him over the course of his time in New York, I would not bet against uh, a bounce back year for him this coming season.
2: And let's hope, man, because that's what that's what everybody wants. You know, we want to see that um, most improved NBA player um, that Julius was, you know, a couple years ago. But you brought up Obi, you know, in the minutes how they're going to be shared with Julius. Uh, G. Robinson is asking CP Obi goes back to 13 minutes. So let's say Randall is still on the roster this fall. How many minutes should Obi be getting? this year, in your opinion?
1: Well, you like to see him get over 20s because when he gets minutes, he becomes productive. I mean, Obi himself admitted that when he's not looking over his shoulder, he can get more comfortable uh, with what he's doing out there on the court. And and that is just doing a little bit of everything, getting out in transition, getting easy buckets for us. He was able to space the floor for the team, shot it very well from three to close the season, getting on the boards, uh, you know, passing. His passing ability was on display. The Knicks need to tap into that energy that he brings because it lifts up the whole team. And again, not not to, to knock Julius, but it, it was kind of the anti-Julius last year because of all of the, what Julius was going through. I think that kind of zapped the team. And as Ian mentioned, I, I'm, I'm sure Julius is going to be working hard to, to, to come back and bounce back strong. He always puts in the work in the offseason, But this is on Tibbs. How is he going to mm-hmm. balance this thing? You just brought in Brunson. You saw how Dallas operated in that in that Jason Kidd offense. It was five out. You know, as I said, Cleaver. They were going small. Sometimes Powell at the five. He's got to try that out a little bit more. Julius Obi, see where that goes. They brought in Hartenstein. And I think you'll see you'll see Hartenstein out there uh, with Brunson with Obi at times to kind of spread things out a little bit. But try it with Obi and Julius. You know, see see where that leads and, and how things may be able to open up on the offense because OB, he needs the minutes. And if he's going to be here you know, don't waste that talent. Don't waste the asset that you spent the lottery pick on by giving him, you know, veteran bench minutes, 10, 13, 15 minutes a night. He, he needs more than that. Right there, okay.
4: there, there really just needs to be a conversation. I think last season we saw this, nobody really knew what their role was. You know, Julius went in there thinking his role was going to be the same as it was the season that the Knicks went into the playoffs. It obviously shifted because the team changed, but Tibbs went ahead and still utilized him in the same way, which led to the confusion. You saw nobody knew who was the closer. Nobody knew who was supposed to have the ball in their hand. Nobody knew this. Nobody knew that. There needs to be clear, concise roles for each player on the team. So going into the season... There's no confusion on when this one's pulled, when this one gets a certain amount of minutes, when this one is the closer, when this one's primarily handling the ball. You can't let that be ambiguous. It has to be clear and concise. I think ultimately that will make this team better. You look at any other team in the NBA, for the most part, obviously there's switches and things like that, but for the most part, you know who your primary ball handle is. You know who your closer is. You know who your main defender is. You know who's going to go ahead and be in that corner. You know who's going to go ahead and be in the field. You know where everyone is going to be. The Knicks need to go ahead and take a page out of mostly every other team in the NBA's book so that your players don't feel, you know, um, a certain type of way about the way they're being utilized. That's not going ahead and affecting the rest of the team. The chemistry is not off. They're not like angry at each other. and They're not angry at the coaches. They're not angry at the refs. Everyone knows what they're supposed to do and where they're supposed to be at all times. That is the key going into next season, especially with all the changes, again, from last season to this season.
2: Yeah, I think, and it's a great point. You know, there's got to be transparency from Tibbs, and they're going to have to figure things out because obviously it takes time to build chemistry. But if you have a a defined role, like, here's what you're going to be doing, Obi, here's what you're going to be doing, Julius, Um, I think it lends to a better product you know on the court but as always visit sny.tv for the latest on the Knicks and free agency we have ian's latest reporting plus david bertsberger explores how jalen brunson and isaiah hardenstein fit onto this roster and speaking of hardenstein um they agreed to a two-year deal with him 16 million dollars uh with the center uh once free agency began seven footer played in germany and lithuania was drafted in the second round by houston in 2017 but he caught on with the clippers last year he averaged roughly eight points and five boards over 18 minutes a night. So Ashley, what was your reaction to the Knicks, you know, beefing up their front court with uh, Isaiah Hardenstein?
4: First of all, the Knicks love them a European player, don't they? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they love somebody with a red passport book, don't they? Listen, um, I'm not, you know, I'm not against it. I think that the Knicks are really at this moment in chime, chime time, time, seeing what moves they can make outside of the more quote-unquote blockbuster ones that are going to be difference makers in this team, right? Will it work? You don't know. But I think right now you're at the stage where there's no more going small in your decision-making. It's now what you've got to do is throw a bunch of things to the wall, see what sticks, and if it doesn't, ultimately fix it a lot quicker than we have in the past. I think that right now time's of the essence. We have guys who have been in this system and are starting to learn the system more and more each and every season, are starting to gain their confidence. That's the young guys. You have your player like Julius Randle, who you went ahead and paid, who, yes, we're going to go ahead and see what that looks like. There's a lot of gaps that still need to be filled. It's trial and error. Will it work? I don't know. Do I think it's going to be a lot better than what it has been? Yes, is the long-term answer. I don't think so, but it's the answer right now. So I think the Knicks are just trying to, Adjust from multiple different angles. So I'm not mad at the decision at all.
2: Yeah, I think it's a good, a good deal for them. Obviously, you know, helps replace the role that uh, New Orleans Noel uh, played. Obviously, he's gone now to the Pistons. But let's go stargazing for a couple of questions, CP. Do we see Carmelo Anthony as a potential oh, fit on the Knicks?
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all
5: I love Melo. Hey yes.
1: Uh, Listen, I love Melo. My favorite player. I'm going to say it again and again and again. No more talk about Melo. And we got to leave it. We got to leave it. But we're focused on the youth. What if it's just a
4: one-day contract? So he can oh, retire. Oh,
1: of course, stop. all day. And yeah. I'll put him up in the rafters. We'll, we'll do a whole show from there. I would I would love to see that. I would love to see Carmelo get that respect. But, you know, to 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 command, playing time, taking away from the young players, the media attention, look, I I think he would he would be a positive force on his team. But I just, I want to move forward. I want to move forward. We got Brunson. RJ is going to get his max contracts. And we just got Mitch. You know, let's focus on the youth, man, and and stop looking back in the rearview mirror. Hey, but look though,
2: look out for the putback with Ian Begley, number seven retirement That's ceremony it. live so from the new. Garden. It's it, so good. It be, be happening, all right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but speaking and you know, speaking about another superstar, obviously Carmelo is not what he once First, was.
3: I'm sorry, man. Can I jump in on Melo yeah. for one second? Yeah, yeah. Um, my understanding, at least, uh, going back, you know, more than a year now, was that the the idea that if Carmelo, you know, wanted to come back especially like wanted to have, uh, you know, his final year in the NBA here, my understanding was that was on the table and I, didn't, I, don't, I haven't heard anything about it being off the table. So I think if Carmelo wants it and it could be like a, a you know, final season, I think that is, has been on the table. But um, I don't know what he wants to do. Uh, and maybe the Knicks had changed their mind recently, but I, I know that had been kind of talked about broadly um, going back to at least a year ago.
2: Okay. All right. I think he uh, I think he still wants to win that ring, um, you know, to be honest. We'll, we'll see if that actually happens. But, yeah, you wouldn't be mad if, you know, it's a short contract, um, you know, something to just give him respect, as you guys were mentioning. But where do you think, Ian, Kevin Durant ends up and do you feel like Kyrie is going to be in a different city, or is he going to be, you know, traveling with his brother to the same team?
3: My feeling now is is both will be gone, and I, I don't think they'll end up on the same team. I think you know, Kyrie, you know we knew about it before he opted in, the mutual interest between himself and the Lakers. And so I think that's the pathway uh, for Kyrie. is the Lakers figuring out what they can offer. Uh, the Nets figuring out what they're comfortable with. And I I would think that that gets done ultimately with Kevin Durant. The interesting thing to me is, are the Nets going to work with Durant, try to get him to one of his preferred destinations, or are they going to do get the best deal possible? So uh, I I would assume that they would kind of work with Kevin, but I just wonder like, what would their motivation be at this point to work with that work with Kevin because of, the state of the franchise right now, right? Well, a- it
4: sets it sets a bad precedent if they don't. I mean, it's not it's I not it. it's an unspoken rule that there are certain players that when they request a trade to a certain market, you adhere to that just because it sets a bad tone, you know, in the league and in the with the players within the league it, says it has a, leaves a bad taste in their mouth. You know, that would be mm-hmm. like yeah. LeBron James asking for a trade and you're like, nah, I'm not trading you. And if I do, it's going to be where I want to. You just don't do that. Like, it's just not a good I idea.
3: I, I hear you, but, you know, at the same time, if I'm like Joe Sy, right or wrong, has already taken a pretty hard line on on Kyrie Irving and with Matt Offering in the Max. So I just wonder, I'm not saying they're right or wrong. I just wonder if that hard line stance that was taken against giving Kyrie a deal that he was comfortable with is then taken with Kevin Durant. And they, they say, we're going to do what's best for us. I I agree with you. The perception uh, would be bad among players. It would not, it would not be, uh, it would not be something that endears the franchise to any, you know, future star free agents. But I just wonder how they move from here based on the whole situation.
4: I think it would be a bad look because the difference between Kevin Durant and Kyrie is this is, Kyrie has been, for everything that he offers in the skill set, and I don't think anyone here will say he's not one of the most skilled players we've ever seen, if not the most, he brings a lot of things that are just detrimental to a locker room and to a team. You saw that last season. Kevin Durant, on the other hand, has given everything that he has been, been able to give to this Brooklyn franchise throughout all the chaos. He's come back from multiple injuries. He's gone through multiple playoff series by himself basically. And it still hasn't been enough. He knows, look, I'm 33 years old. I'm not getting any younger. This team's not getting any better. We went through the James Harden saga. Then it was the Ben Simmons saga. Then in the middle of that, it was the Kyrie Irving saga. I feel like Brooklyn should do right by the one player who has ultimately always done right by them. Now, when you look at his trade destinations or the rumor destinations that he wants to go to Phoenix and Miami being on the top of that list. That's where the waters get a little muddy because I don't know what Phoenix and Miami have immediately, obviously picks and stuff. You look at future things down the road. You can always make that happen. But immediate players, I don't know if they have enough to where Brooklyn's going to be like, OK, that's worth a Kevin Durant because Devin Booker's not going to happen in Phoenix, right? Chris Paul is probably not going to happen either. You have your other role players, but they're not Kevin Durant. In Miami, Jimmy Butler is not going to happen. Bam Adebayo is not going to happen. Tyler Hero, okay. Tyler Hero is not a Kevin Durant. It's That's going to be the trickiest part of this trade is finding that equal partner to the immediate beneficiary of the Brooklyn Nets, not thinking down the road. I don't know if a team has that right now. I don't know if any team can offer what the Nets would immediately want from another team. to to do a trade with Kevin Durant. I don't think it exists.
2: Yeah, well, Katie dominating once again the free agency cycle, just like he did in 2016. Um, But we have one more live putback coming this Wednesday at noon. CP will be back for that one. We'll recap the Knicks' free agent pursuits and look ahead to the season with the roster as it currently stands. That's Wednesday at noon, and it's wherever you're watching right now. All right, so it's time for final thoughts. Uh, And, CP, what's one more move you'd like to see the Knicks make this offseason? whether it's an addition or a subtraction.
1: Yeah. Well, if uh, I think according to Bobby Marks right now, they have uh, about $5 million left to play with right in with the, with the room exception. Yes. So, I mean, if it's just that uh, again, some, some wing depth, you know, maybe, maybe a Derek Jones Jr. Or, uh, or a uh, Belitza who, who just played, a, you know, stretch four, who just played with the Golden State Warriors, if they can fit one of those guys under there, just to provide some depth on the team. Again, we'll have to see what happens with 48. Will they depart with 48 and, and uh, gain a bit more uh, salary cap flexibility there to get somebody a bit more, you know, mid-level um, with the salary? We'll, we'll have to see, but I'm looking for more wing depth. They have addressed the guard position. They have addressed uh, the five spot with bringing in a uh, Hartenstein who will give you a bit bit of a stretch five uh, type of prototype? So I think they've addressed those two, two positions, but the last one for me is is going to be uh, wing depth and whether that is elevating the guys that they already have in in Grimes or Reddish or bringing on a guy like I said, you know, a Derek Jones type. I, I think that would certainly uh, help add some depth to the to the end of the rotation.
4: All right, all right, I'll do it. I'll do it. Just. I'll do it, okay? It's fine. I got it. I'll do it. I'll take a year off of work. I'll play for the Knicks. I'll do it, right? Just stop. Just stop begging. You know like, okay? I will do it. Sign partial me up. guarantee
3: or full guarantee?
4: Full guarantee. I don't do partial. Full
3: guarantee.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I want my full check. That's all. <laughs> but if you boo me, I'm going to run or test you in the crowd. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. I hate like, okay. <laughs> right in the garden. I'm on
2: that. We don't need that. <laughs> Yeah. What about you?
3: Um, I to me, uh, regardless of what they do with the exceptions and the leftover money, what uh, what's the plan for Cam Reddish? What is he going to see minutes? Is he not going to see minutes? Uh, you know, where do you where do you uh, fit him into this roster? Young, talented. Uh, you traded for him just last year, uh, included a protected first rounder in the deal, Kevin Knox. So he didn't play much. Initially, there were some injuries. He got in, and then he got hurt. Just what what is the plan for Cam Reddish? You know, to me, he's a player who, based on where the Knicks are, you know, they're not, they're not ready to compete for the one seed in the East, so they should have the leeway to kind of find out what they have with Cam Reddish. Maybe they already know based on workouts and practices, et cetera, but I think, you know, you want to see him on the floor, and you want to see what you have in him as he goes through this fourth season and he'd be a restricted free agent next summer.
4: 100%. I agree with that. And also my final thought is quick is give RJ Barrett the keys. That's all I'm saying. This is, this is his team. When the time comes, he's going to go ahead and get paid. This is the season that you need to go ahead and see what kind of leader RJ Barrett can be immediately and what type of leader he will be down the road. Everything else has to revolve and fall under the RJ Barrett umbrella it's his team. Figure out what that looks like with him at the center.
2: I agree. Uh, and I'm sure you agree with this, uh, Ashley. LaJuan Williams made a comment saying, trade Julius for Ashley. Uh, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, how you feel about that? Everybody I
4: mean, out? I'm a big Julius Randle fan, but if it's Julius and me, I feel like there's no competition. You know what I'm saying? Like,
2: <laughs> I feel like he would understand. Of course, you would pick yourself to go on the Knicks. There's nothing nothing. Well, right like I that.
4: said, if you boo me, I'm going to fight you. So All you right. might want Julius you back You got the left that.
2: hook. You got the right hook. Let's see it. I'm just
4: saying, one, one time you boo me and you see what that looks like, you might want Julius back. At least he, <laughs> you know, at least he doesn't throw hands.
2: <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Putback with Ian Begley. Our thanks to Ashley Nicole Moss. Make sure to give her a follow at Ashley Nicole Moss for her takes and everything that she's up to and thanks to C.P., franchise Knicks fan TV for once again lending his thoughts and opinions as always make sure to check him out tonight at 7 on Sirius XM NBA radio as he makes his debut there best of luck to you I'm sure you're going to kill it like you always do Uh, but for Ian Begley I'm Chris Williamson make sure to keep it locked to sny.tv for the latest and we'll see you Wednesday at noon